Welcome back to The Savvy Psychologist. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and every week I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time. Can't imagine fitting another appointment into your life? With Talkspace, therapy is as easy as sending your therapist a message. No commutes, no waiting room, no judgment. So to match with your perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com savvy and use the code savvy to get $30 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com savvy and the code savvy. Now, this week is the second in a six-week special series on all things introversion, shyness, and social anxiety to celebrate the upcoming publication of my first book, How to Be Yourself, Quiet Your Inner Critic and Rise Above Social Anxiety, which comes out March 13th. Now, last week, we talked with Juilliard-trained performance psychologist, Dr. Noah Kagayama, and I have to say, I used some of his tips when I gave a presentation last week, and they totally worked. So if you missed last week's episode, definitely check it out. Now, this week, we will talk with acclaimed author and professional introvert, Sophia Dembling, about the ways we get introversion wrong and how to make introversion work best for you. So without further ado, Sophia Demling is a writer in Dallas, Texas. She is the author of The Introvert's Way, Living a Quiet Life in a Noisy World, and Introverts in Love, The Quiet Way to Happily Ever After. She also writes the excellent Introverts Corner blog for Psychology Today and is the author of 100 Places in the USA Every Woman Should Go and The Yankee Chicks Survival Guide to Texas. Sophia Demling, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. I'm so glad to have you, and I'm excited to talk to you because uh, the introvert revolution has been, you know, so validating and so empowering for you know so many of us introverts. But sometimes over the years, I've found as as the introvert revolution has evolved, the introvert power message gets misconstrued by introverts themselves. So, in in your opinion, what are the most common ways we introverts tend to shoot ourselves in the foot? I think the most self-defeating things that a lot of introverts do is is focus on the I want to be alone, I don't want to go out, I don't want parties, I don't need people. And it can sort of come back and backfire on you um, because people then start taking your word on that and it can be isolating. When I first started writing about introversion and put it out there, I would get friends saying to me things like, well, you know, I was going to invite you to do this, but you're an introvert, so you probably didn't want to go or you know, I, we, I was going to throw a party. I was going to invite you to my party, but I figured you wouldn't want to. And it sort of isolates us. We get, we create this shell of introversion around us. And while it's true that we do need more time alone, isolation is not good for anybody. And and the more we emphasize this, I don't want to go, the less invitations we're going to get. And that can sort of compound because we're also a little less likely to pursue social interactions. So if they're not coming to us and we're not really likely to pursue them, we, we become locked in our own introversion. And I think that it's, it's not really good for us. And it's not really what introversion is about because we do really like connections. We just happen to like deeper connections. And the more we focus on leave me alone, the more people are going to leave us alone. And I find that really unfortunate. And I think that 
Like you said, there's this vicious cycle that can sometimes happen where by refusing invitations, we get fewer invitations. But at the same time, like solitude is really important to introverts to recharge. So where is the line between solitude and loneliness? And how can we get the best of of that world? I think that it's it's very much a, a, a matter of knowing ourselves and knowing when we start feeling like, we're, we can't reach out. We can't get out of ourselves. You, you sort of feel the, the solitude can sort of turn into quicksand where it's the path of least resistance to stay home, to be alone, to not reach out. But I, I find I have my own personal cues when I'm getting too isolated. One thing I find because I'm a big uh, social networker is that if I start getting pissed off at people on Facebook, I need some face-to-face time with people. It's sort of like I'm putting too much into that social network. If I find myself, I I just call it feeling weird, you know, where I'll go to the supermarket and I'll have a chit chat with the checker. And that feels like I've had a real conversation Mm -hmm. and I realize, yeah, I'm getting a little, a little too isolated. I think that for all of us, the, the line between solitude and loneliness is something that we have to start to recognize in ourselves because it's going to be different for all of us. You know, introversion, extroversion are on a continuum. You're unlikely to find somebody who's 100% introverted or 100% extroverted. But we have to sort of get very familiar with our own warning signs. I, I talk about it in terms of energy as well. You have to start recognizing what your signs are that you're getting depleted of energy and need to retreat for a while, you know, and, and respect those so that you can then go out and and do some more. And it's the same with loneliness and solitude. When it stops being a choice and when it feels like you can't or you've lost touch with too many people or you start thinking, well, nobody loves me, nobody wants me around, you may have let yourself retreat too far into introversion and need to push yourself out a little bit. And quite often it doesn't take much. There are people who do want to see you and do want to be with you and are sort of being respectful. See question one, where we talked about the, I want to be alone Mm -hmm. and are very happy to hear from you. And you, and you want to sort of recognize your personal sort of sadness that starts to come in when your solitude has slipped into isolation. That makes total sense. Yeah. I, sometimes I'll get the you call it being feeling weird. I get kind of bored and and restless when I find that I've been away from people too long. But on the flip side, if I've been on all day or in public all day, I get the sense of just being overwhelmed and I can tell that I need to retreat and recharge a bit. So I totally agree with you to find your own balance and your own warning signs of, you know, when you've had too much and when you've had too little. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I find that my, my brain feels full, mm-hmm. like it's full of words, or it actually feels tired, like mm-hmm. a muscle might feel tired. And I know it's time to retreat a little bit. And I'm, I'm glad when it feels that way, because it means I've been getting sort of the human interaction I need. And now it's time to respect the solitude I need and step back and you just keep going. It's a seesaw. Mm-hmm. You just keep going back and forth and getting both needs met by recognizing when you need one and when you need another. That's a really nice analogy. I like that the seesaw because it implies that it's not static, that it, it is continually being adjusted and that it's supposed to move. It's supposed to go back and forth like that. And it happens over the course of our lifetimes as well. There, there, you know, people say, I used to be an introvert, but I'm not anymore. And that's not really the case. We're, we're always an introvert. There, there appears to be 
you know, some brain differences. Mm -hmm. But there are times when we're feeling more like being out there, or maybe we need to be more out there, or perhaps we've gotten over shyness, which is something different. And there will be stretches of time. Right now, I'm in a highly extroverted place in my life. And it doesn't make me any less of an introvert, but of necessity, I have to behave extroverted. And it will be that for a while. And then I suspect there'll be a time when I'll retreat again. That makes sense. Yeah, no, I I can identify with that. As I've gotten older, I'm just as introverted, but I am definitely less shy. I've I've overcome some social anxiety and feel much more comfortable after, you know, several decades and a PhD in <laughs> clinical psychology. But that core introversion, the personality um, has remained even as um, I've gotten less shy and more comfortable around people and comfortable mm-hmm. in my own skin. So... Mm-hmm. Okay, here is where we take a quick break and say thank you to this week's sponsor, Pretty Litter. If you have a cat like I do, you know the worst part is the litter box. But Pretty Litter solves all the pains of having a litter box and monitors your cat's health at the same time. Here is how. It changes color when it detects common feline illnesses, which is really great for my 15-year-old cat. What's more, the litter is lightweight, odorless, dust-free, and one four-pound bag lasts an entire month for one cat. So no more lugging huge bags home from the pet store and having them take up all your storage space. And best yet, it ships right to your door every month for free. So choose your ship dates, skip any month, and cancel any time. No tricks, no hassle, just a better cat litter delivered when you need it. So discover the world's best cat litter today. Go to prettylitter.com and use the code SAVVY to get 20% off your first order. That's P-R-E-T-T-Y L-I-T-T-E-R dot com and the code SAVVY. All right, now back to author Sophia Dembling and how we're doing introversion wrong and more importantly, how to fix it. Let's take introversion to work. What is a common mistake you see introverts making in the workplace? Well, I work alone, so, <laughs> which is either introvert heaven or introvert hell. Sure. Because, of course, it also allows me to get isolated. Mm. But I think a lot of introverts put their heads down and get the work done, which is fantastic. And in fact, some research shows that while extroverts are better at getting the job, mm. introverts are better at getting the job done hmm. because we do like to sort of get our put our heads down and get things done. But that can mean we get overlooked. You know, it's hard for us to talk in meetings. And so rather than figure out ways to then get our ideas across, perhaps asking for a one-on-one meeting with your boss afterwards, we just sort of let ourselves get steamrolled. And so our ideas don't even don't get out there. And so if we do want to, you know, see our careers progress, we have to figure out ways that we can put ourselves forward, whether it be in memos or one on one meetings or, you know, I I know for women in the workplace, there's been this sort of um, movement to amplify each other's voices where if one woman says something, you know, there's a problem of women saying something and being ignored and then a man said something mm, and mm-hmm. suddenly everybody hears it. You know, perhaps you can find somebody who's sort of your ally who will help amplify your voice. But I think the main risk is not putting themselves out there and also not understanding to a certain extent that if your job has a socializing aspect, if there are happy hours that people go to, or if uh, I've heard from people who were applying for jobs and at the interview, somebody said, we're all going out for drinks afterwards. 
you know, please join us. And the engineer was like, no, I'm going to go back to my hotel. Yet a lot of times that social aspect, as unpleasant as it might feel, is sort of part of being a member of that yeah. uh, interview, yes, and a member of the office culture. Mm-hmm. And I mean, sometimes it can just mean showing up, you know, making sure everybody sees you and then running for your life. <laughs> but, you know, but I think you really have to understand that if it's happening in the workplace, there could be an element of getting yourself known as a team player that is important to participate. And one more thing I'll add, too, is that the idea of introverts not being team players is a negative one that's applied to us. And I think, too, we're very good team players, but what we prefer is to sort of get our assignments and go off and do them and then contribute to the larger whole. And so we might not be the one who are making the cold calls or working in a team, but if you want to give us, this is your project, please go do that and then bring it back. We're going to perform really well. And so we can be proactive about that and look for those opportunities to say, hey, this is this is my kind of thing. I'll do a great job. This will be my contribution and and make sure that we get recognized that way. That makes sense. So to find the lid for our pot, to find the the thing that we match well with. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So you've written about the difference between being an introvert versus being introverted. So tell us about that. Why are those semantics important? You know, that was sort of a little bit of a fun way for me to look at something that I'm seeing in some of the comments and and responses I get to my blog where people say, I don't do this because I am an introvert. Hmm. And it's sort of what we were talking about earlier, where it's not really a static condition. And that's why I like the term introverted, because it implies a certain amount of change and and you know variability to who you are because we aren't the same introvert we aren't all the same introvert all of us who are introverted and we really aren't the same introvert day to day there are some days i wake up and i can't wait to be around people not a lot of them but they're doing this. <laughs> sure sure <laughs> um or part of the day at least and so i, I like to encourage introverts to think of themselves as this is an aspect of who I am, and it's not sort of this this solidified form of this is an introvert, so that we can be flexible and we can sort of recognize within ourselves how introverted we are feeling at any particular moment and in any particular situation. It just implies a certain amount of fluidity to the condition of introversion. That makes sense. So it's a, it's a scale, it's not a point. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, from one introvert to another, thank you so much for all you do for us introverts. And it was a delight to talk to you. Thank you. Great questions. Oh, no problem. So you can pick up a copy of any of Sophia's books, including The Introvert's Way and Introverts in Love at your favorite place to buy books. And you can find her at Sophia Dembling, Professional Introvert on Facebook or follow her on Twitter at Sophia Dembling. Thank you so much for making The Savvy Psychologist a part of your life, and thank you for joining me for this special episode in the run-up to my first book, How to Be Yourself, Quiet Your Inner Critic, and Rise Above Social Anxiety, which comes out March 13th. If you are already a newsletter subscriber, keep an eye out for a bunch of pre-order book launch freebies coming your way. And if you would like to be a newsletter subscriber and get in on that, you can sign up at quickanddirtytips.com newsletters or at ellenhendrickson.com. 
As always, The Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and doesn't substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. As always, check out ellenhendrickson.com for free resources to beat social anxiety. And next Friday, we will bust the myths of social anxiety for a happier, healthier mind. <laughs>